0: read from Mark chapter 16 beginning in verse 19. Mark chapter 16 beginning in verse 19 is the passage that I'm going to preach from today. If you did not get a sermon card, uh, you can put your hand in there, you'll be served at this time. Mark chapter 16 beginning in verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. I want to preach a message today titled, In Your World. In Your World. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that in the name of Jesus, the kingdom, your kingdom, O God, Your rule and reign is available for the hearts and minds of people. Ask Holy Spirit that you would reveal Jesus, make much of Jesus, work in lives, and may your kingdom come and your will be done. We'll give you all the praise, Jesus, for you alone are worthy. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to do something here in a moment. I just want you to to trust me. I want to ask if you would, for a moment, close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to drop doves, feathers up here or do anything weird. But I want you to take a moment and close your eyes and I want you to think of a time in your life where you received very good news. I want you to think about the impact, the emotions and the moment Of when you received good news. All right, you can look up here. Notice in our text that it uses this phrase preached everywhere. Preached everywhere. The Greek word for preach means to proclaim openly something which has been done. Understand that the Gospel of Jesus Christ at its very core is news. The gospel is not advice. The gospel at its very core is not something that you try out. It's not even something that you speculate or consider. The gospel of Jesus Christ at its very core is news. Unfortunately, as the devil seeks to do so often We live in a time and a culture where we have to define what we even mean by news. The devil is always seeking to create more barriers to the reality of communication because through communication, through preaching, that's how the gospel passes on. By news, we're talking about facts. We're not talking about speculation. We're not talking about perception. We're not talking about someone's opinion. When I say that the gospel at its core is news, what we're saying is, is that it is a, it, the core is a factual event. A factual event. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact of the event. The gospel of Jesus Christ at its core is news. In fact, N.T. Wright, a scholar that I would be willing to encourage any of you to glean from, says the good news according to the Bible and according to Paul is this, something had happened, something would happen, and in between something powerful and mysterious was happening in the lives of all those who found themselves caught up in it. See, the gospel at its core is something has happened. Something past tense has happened. There is news that has happened and the news is good news. And that's why the text says they preached it everywhere. Notice it says that in our text that they went out. They went out. The phrase there in the Greek is speaking that they went out from a starting point or they went out from a place. And it's not just talking about physical point or physical space. What it means is is they went out based on some ground. Some ground. Let me tell you a couple things that they went out based on. They went out based on the fact that Jesus' finished work was a reality. From the place that something had happened, they went out. That Jesus had accomplished the work He was sent to accomplish. That Jesus willfully was crucified, died, buried, but three days later, rose again. When the text says they went out from that place, they went out from the place of the reality of Jesus' finished work. They went out based on the fact that there's nothing that can change that the one who declared to be the king of the kingdom of God willfully died, was buried, but then rose again victorious. Paul taught that, Jesus and His finished work, in fact, is the very foundation on which saving faith stands. Read along with me in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he reminds them. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the news which I preach to you. Listen, that's why there is preaching and not just teaching in the church. It's preaching and teaching. Preaching is a declaration. We're declaring that something has happened. We're declaring news based on what has already happened. The gospel at its core is not advice. It's not advice. It's news. And he says, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, is foundational. By which you are also saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. When you build a house, if you understand construction, what do you build first of all for the house? The foundation. Paul says, what I delivered first of all, the news is foundational. It's on which saving faith stands, by which you are saved, Verse 3, for I delivered you first of all that which also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It was foretold. God thousands of years beforehand gave prophecies declaring that He would send the Messiah, He would send the King, that He would send away to make the wrongs become right, that He would send away, He would open a door to what's been closed to us, the very presence of God, the very throne of grace that he would send away to open a door to what scripture calls his kingdom he died according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas Peter then by the twelve and it goes on to say and around five hundred others here Paul says listen The gospel, the news, is foundational. It's in which you stand. It's on what you are saved. And what does he summarize is the core of the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection. That that is not advice. Death, burial, resurrection is news. Something has happened. There has been a death. There has been a burial. But three days later, the one who was crucified willfully died, rose again victorious. And notice in our main text, it's from that place, from the reality that something has happened, that the King, the Son of God, was crucified, died, buried and resurrection, that they went out from that place and preached everywhere. So they went out from the place of Jesus' finished work being a reality. Secondly, They went out from the picture or having the vision of Jesus being received up into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. What is that picture? What is that vision? Well, if you go look at Matthew's account of these moments that Mark records here in Mark chapter 16, Matthew says that Jesus in these moments also told the disciples, All authority has been given to me. When Mark says that they saw Jesus return to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, what is entailed in that vision is that now he has been enthroned as Lord over all the earth. That Jesus now has all authority. That there is not a molecule, there is not a place on the earth or in the universe that Jesus has not been enthroned as Lord and King over. It is from this vision of of Jesus' authority that they go forth and they preach everywhere. That all things have been placed under His feet. All things have been placed in subjection to Him. But then they are thrust and we are thrust and we are confronted with this issue of faith. If Jesus and the vision is that He has been seated at the right hand of the Father and He has all authority and the kingdom of God is at hand and the kingdom of God is available, then why do we still see such devastation? Why do we still see and experience such sorrow? Why is there still so much hurt and heartache and, and despair and darkness on the earth? And we are thrust into this issue of faith. And that's why the entire New Covenant and New Testament is framed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 that the just shall live by faith. By faith. If you look at only what you can see in the natural, if you listen to only what you can hear on the so called news, then you will miss that something has happened. And you'll miss the vision that Jesus. Is king. Why? Because you can find all kinds of circumstances. You can look at all kinds of situations. You can look at all kinds of places on the earth. That seems to declare the opposite. That Jesus is not Lord. That the kingdom is not available. That you still see devastation. And sorrow. And you see hurt. And you see brokenness. And you see pain. And you see unnecessary suffering. That's why. They went out from the place of faith that something has happened. And by faith, regardless of what is circumstantial, Jesus is Lord and He's seated in victory. See, the way forward when we go out, when we go out of the gathering, when we go out of our home, When we go through life, the way forward is the way of faith. It's from that place of faith that they went out and they didn't just go out. They went out and they preached and declared everywhere that something has happened. They also went out from the place of the Holy Spirit coming upon them and empowering them with boldness and supernatural ability to be a witness. Here we don't see it in Mark's account but before where it says and he sat down at the right hand of God and then verse 20 in Mark 16 and they went out, we know from Acts 1 and Acts 2, Dr. Luke's account that having been seated at the right hand of the Father he received the promise of the Holy Spirit that he then poured out as recorded in Acts 2, 1 and they received the promise of the Father that Jesus told them to wait for in Acts 1 that they would be endued with power from on high, that they would be enabled to be a supernatural witness to this news, not to this advice, not to this opinion, but to this news that something has happened and it is good news. That's why they preached it everywhere. It's amazing because it's amazing how the devil at times gets us confused. See, You and I don't go around normally constantly talking about bad news. Because if you're sharing constantly bad news, people are not going to be around you. If if you always are sharing complaining news, the only people that's going to be around you is probably the devil in his kingdom. He likes negativity and complaining. But we have good news. And because we have good news, it should motivate us to want to everywhere declare it. It's good news. I understand when you get bad news that you don't want to tell everybody. But we as followers of Jesus have good news. And the good news deserves to be told to everybody. That something has happened. They preached it everywhere. They preached it in their home. They preached it in their workplaces. They preached it in their sphere of influence. They preached it in their career. They preached it in public places. In places. Why? Because the news was that good that it deserved to be preached everywhere. It deserved to be proclaimed openly. It deserved to be proclaimed clearly that something has been done The news of what had happened was good news for everyone it was good news for those in the banking industry. It was good news to those dependent on the economy. It was good news to the employee and the employer relationships. It was good news to the merchants, good news to the philosophers, good news to the seekers, good news to the hurting. good news to those mourning, good news to the soldiers good news to the indebted servants it was good news to the farmers, it was good news to males and to females, it was good news to old and to young, the only exception is it was not good news to the devil and those who purpose to continue walking in his ways. But to everyone else, it was good news. What is the good news? N.T. Wright says, the good news is that the one true God has now taken charge of the world in and through Jesus and His death and resurrection. Something has happened that has now allowed God to be able to begin to take charge again in the world through the person of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. It's also confronting news because the devil is a liar and a deceiver from the beginning. And the devil seeks to convince the hearts and minds of people that the pain and the suffering and the evil and the wickedness in the world is God's fault. And yet he is the very one who sows the seeds in the hearts and minds of individuals that leads to the fruit of devastation and destruction and heartache and pain and unnecessary suffering in the world. And he tries to get so many people blaming God for things that happen when it's not God who's done it, it's Satan in his kingdom that has brought the devastation and the pain. Because listen to me, friends. Suffering is common to all of us and not just suffering is common to all of us but unjust suffering is common to all of us injustices are common to mankind sure there's degrees of injustice there are greater degrees of injustice than others but listen injustice is something that's common to all mankind because Satan and his kingdom comes to steal Kill and destroy. He comes to bring devastation. He comes to afflict people. He comes to hold people back. He comes to harm hearts and minds. To rob people of innocence and opportunity. But something has happened. And they went out and preached everywhere. Because what has happened is news and it's so good. It deserves to be preached everywhere. Listen to me, hurt and disappointment are common to mankind in every endeavor and in every industry and in every field of work. You can be in the career that God has called you to be, but you are in a career in a field that has been affected by Satan and his plans and his kingdom and therefore you will find disappointment You'll find heartache. You'll find wrong in that very field. But the gospel is news, good news that God can now break in to where there has been wrong, where there has been devastation, where there has been hopelessness, where there has been deception, where there has been corruption, that God and His Kingdom and ways can break in. And it's good news for all. Except for the devil. And those who want to continue to follow his ways. The good news is that now the kingdom of God is available. And it's available to break in into our despair. It's it's able to break in to our disappointment. It's able to break in to our suffering. It's able to break in to our depression. It's able to break in to the places that are void. The places of our life that have been harmed because of sin and the effects of sin and the effects of God's design being resisted and rejected. And it's able to break in through the person of Jesus Christ, the King of the kingdom. But though the kingdom of God is available, we have to understand it's not a kingdom like the kingdoms of this world. It's not a kingdom of this age. What do I mean? The kingdom of God is based on righteousness, justice, and the love of God. An aspect of righteousness is the right of choice. All throughout Scripture, Scripture testifies that the foundation of the kingdom and the rule of God is righteousness and justice. And an aspect of righteousness is the right of choice. Individuals have the right of choice. But the Kingdom of God is also the foundation of it, justice, and the justice is that we will give an accountability for our choices. So righteousness means God gives each of us the right of choice, but justice is we'll all have to give an account before God of what we do with the choice. But then the love of God. Did you know the love of God requires choice? The love of God. Re- requires choice do you know in John chapter 3 after John 3 16 which is most commonly known and quoted for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that then it says light has come into the world but they have hated and rejected the light what's that mean the love of God The kingdom of God, the will of God, can be resisted and rejected in this age. The love of God requires choice. Listen to me. There was choice in the garden. There's choice in the gospel. And choice is involved in the good news. So what this means is you have to distinguish what Jesus distinguished when he taught the disciples. He said, my kingdom and my type of leadership is not like the kingdoms of this age and like the Gentile rulers. Gentile rulers he used mean those who were unbelievers, who are outside the covenant of God. He said, my kingdom is not modeled, doesn't come from the place, does not operate like... Worldly leadership, Gentile leadership. And what did he mean? He said, the Gentiles rule over you. And they rule over you by force, by manipulation, by control, by violence. But Jesus modeled that His rule, His kingdom doesn't operate that way. And as the king of the kingdom of God... He willfully laid down His life through suffering love and died a death so that you and I could have a door open to us of God's kingdom and resources for the demands of life. And Jesus doesn't operate out of manipulation, out of force, domineering. He wants through what He did and modeled to woo God's creation, to willfully surrender to His right to rule and be Lord over all the earth. So wherever you find unrighteousness, wherever you find injustice, you have encountered the workings of Gentile ruling, Gentile power, Gentile control, and the fruit of Satan's influence, not the rule of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. Now remember, because all of us have been affected by sin and its influence, Our definition of justice or injustice or righteousness or unrighteousness might need to be challenged, might need to grow, might need to be matured because we might have a wrong understanding of the reality of biblically what those things mean. But my point is this. We live in this fallen world that has been taken captive By the devil and his ways. And you and I do not have to look hard to find or experience the reality of brokenness, of injustice, despair, and Satan's kingdom. Listen to me. You can find it in every career, you can find it in every field. You can find it in every sector of society. Listen, you can find it in your world. In your world. But though that is a a fact, believers who forget or do not understand that become vulnerable to being swallowed up in despair, bitterness, or shock. that when you don't understand that Satan and his kingdom and his ways can still flourish in this age, then we can be vulnerable to bitterness, to despair, to a sense of hopelessness or shock. And Jesus taught his disciples a parable. Of the reality of this age and the reality of what we face. Even though something has happened. Even though there is good news. And even though something will happen, Jesus will return. As we wait, He wants us to clearly understand the reality of what we are facing and what we're living in. So He tells this parable in Matthew thirteen twenty four. And he says to them, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy, his enemy, his enemy, came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner, they, they came and they said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, at least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Jesus, he takes his close disciples and he takes them, into the house and they begin to ask him more regarding this and he begins to explain And what he tells them he says listen, the field is the world the good seeds are the seeds of the kingdom of God the children of God the tares are the sons of the wicked one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil what's he saying? He's saying that though something has happened and something will happen, His return, in between we have to live by the faith because the devil is constantly sowing seeds every generation to make the followers of Jesus, the children of God, doubt the good news that something has happened and that Jesus has been enthroned as Lord over all and the devil plants seeds in the hearts and minds of people that leads to works and actions and behaviors and circumstances and devastation and heartache and despair and hurt that tries to challenge us from holding fast to the reality that something has happened The good news that God has taken control of the world again through the person of Jesus. And something will happen, He will return. And that's why the righteous must live by faith. By faith. Because listen, the kingdom of God does not come once and for all in your world. The kingdom of God does not come once and for all in your home. The kingdom of God does not come once and for all in your field of study, in your career, in your business, in your place at work. The kingdom of God does not come once and for all in a community or in a nation. Listen, why? Because the devil every generation is still sowing seeds even though God's moving. The devil every generation... Seeking to capture hearts and minds and to use them to sow further devastation, darkness, pain, heartache. So the kingdom of God doesn't come once and for all because the enemy continues to sow seeds also. Listen. Every generation, children of God, has to contend by faith with what the devil is sowing. Having done all, stand, Paul said in Ephesians 6. Every generation must stand preaching everywhere that something has happened and because of what's happened, God's kingdom can break in Where there's mourning, comfort can come. Where there's bondage, liberty can come. Where there's guilt and condemnation, forgiveness can come. Where there's wrong actions and practices in your field or in your career, righteousness and justice can come. It has to be contended in every generation. In every generation. N.T. Wright goes on to say, real and lasting change in everything from personal to global life is always sporadic. It's always sporadic. Meaning if you're looking for justice and righteousness of the kingdom, to God, to just constantly come in a straight line, you're not going to see how the kingdom comes. It comes sporadic. Why? Because the kingdom breaks in where the seeds of the kingdom, the children of God, find openings for it to be welcomed. Because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of this world. It cannot come by force and by manipulation and by violence. It can't make people submit and surrender. To the goodwill of our Creator through the person of Jesus, and that's why the kingdom breaking in is not like a straight trajectory line upwards. It is sporadic, because God's eyes looks to and fro on the earth, looking for a place that is open for Him to demonstrate His strength, to bring His hand. And kingdom and provision of where the darkness of the enemy has brought despair and hurt and brokenness. It's not sporadic. But if you don't understand that, as a follower of Jesus, you're vulnerable to bitterness. You're vulnerable to despair. Watch this. You're vulnerable to be blinded from the reality that God is moving. The kingdom is breaking in. That justice and righteousness is starting to flow like a river. But if you only look in the natural across the globe, you'll miss the reality that it's breaking in sporadically where he finds willful hearts and minds and hands willing to embrace the fact that something has happened. Jesus was crucified. Died and was buried but rose again So that now the life of God The favor of God The provision of God Can break in and undo What the devil has sown In our hearts and in our minds In our communities In our homes In our career fields Such places So they go out On the ground of Jesus' finished work. It's news. It's good news. God now has taken back control of His creation through the person of Jesus. That Satan and his kingdom, that had captured humanity and our hearts and minds through sin, that now through Jesus, His power and His grip can be broken off hearts and minds. That's why Jesus, when He was asked, how does the kingdom first come? He says, it first comes without observation. Because the kingdom, the rule of God first comes in hearts and minds that willfully surrender to Jesus' right to rule and to be Lord. And as it's received on the inside, the will of God, the provision of God, the kingdom of God can grow in you that then it spills out of you everywhere bringing the good news to sectors of society that where there has been people who have been under the slavery of the devil and who have practiced wicked habits wicked customs wicked ways unrighteous managers unrighteous stewards people that we can bring the kingdom and the ways of God to that area what does a Godly teacher Look like What does the kingdom of God Through a teacher look like What does the kingdom of God Through a politician look like What does the kingdom of God Through a business owner look like What does the kingdom of God Look like In the area Of your field And career Notice the text says The Lord working with them And confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Notice it wasn't just the Lord works. And it wasn't just they work. It's not either or in the gospel. It's not all man. It's not all us. And it's not all God. In the new covenant, it's the Lord working with us. God from the, desire, from the beginning desired we as humans that out of our fellowship and relationship with Him would be empowered to operate in a partnership to extend His rule and kingdom upon the earth where He had assigned and condemned the devil and the fallen angels to reside. That's why when He created mankind, He blessed and empowered them and said, Have dominion. Express my domain. Domain over what? Everything that's on the earth. And we know what was on the earth. It wasn't just the physical. Because we find the serpent, the devil of old, come. And in Genesis 3, use the animal kingdom, the serpent, to try to influence mankind. And of course, we sinned. Adam and Eve surrendered. All of us, our, the human lineage... To the devil's oppression. To his kingdom that has brought such devastation on the earth. Yet we grow up. The devil sows his lies in hearts and minds. And we experience pain in childhood. And we look at the world and we see injustices. And we see devastation. And we see darkness and starvation and diseases and evil. And the devil tries to sow the seeds and say, See, look, God did this when it was him and his kingdom. Who did that? And from that worldview, you understand why the news was good. Is that God now has made a way through Jesus where He can come and break in, make wrongs right again. He can make His creation, who's in wrong standing with Him, right again. Once He gets us in right standing with Him, He can empower us to do right again to have right practices and right behaviors and right attitudes and to treat each other right that the kingdom of God can first come within the hearts and minds of people and then empower us to bring what's right everywhere homes, neighborhoods every sector of society all types of careers manifesting the kingdom the rule of Jesus and His goodness Wherever God finds, yielded willful hearts and minds to be used of Him. Notice it was the Lord working with them. The Lord worked and confirmed where the Word was preached. Listen, the Spirit of God yearns for the Word to be declared. The devil ain't scared of opinions being declared. He's not scared of perceptions being declared. He trembles where the word of God is declared. Because the good news, whether people believe it or not, is unchanging. It's facts. It's a declaration that something has happened. And there's no man, there's no devil, there's no circumstance that can change the news. That Jesus, the King of the kingdom, has willfully suffered and died and rose again so that God's life and goodness can break in to our darkness, to our hopelessness, to our hurts, to our pain, to our tragedies, to our bondages. The Holy Spirit hovers like you see the Holy Spirit hovering in Genesis where the earth was void, darkness was over it. There's voids in hearts and there's darkness in hearts and minds all over the globe and the Holy Spirit hovers waiting just like the Holy Spirit was waiting in Genesis for what? For the Word of God to go forth. And God said, let there be light where there was darkness and the Holy Spirit performed and light abounded. God said, let there be, and where there was void, order and beauty broke in and broke out as the Holy Spirit performed the Word. See, listen to me, for everything God does, the Word of God must first be declared. Understand, followers of Jesus, it is not that the Lord visibly works supernaturally first for us to see and confirms first through signs and wonders and then we preach no we go from the same ground that the disciples in our text went forth from and we go with the same faith that they had declaring everywhere that something has happened And what has happened is good news for those that are mourning. It's good news for those that have been held back. Those that have been wronged. Those where through force and corruption has held you back. There's good news that God can come in. And the same power that lifted Jesus above the greatest injustice ever on the earth, the cross, has power to raise us up and over. The plans of the enemy that tried to confine us, control us, bind us, harm us, hurt us. That resurrection life is available to break in. That barren places can be revived. That dry places can thrive again. That life can enter where death has tried to rejoice. Hallelujah. See, listen. It's as we go and preach that something has happened. That Jesus, who said He was the King of the kingdom, the Son of God, that He was crucified, died, buried, and resurrected. And now, all the resources of heaven are available for you to help you meet the demands of life. And then, the Lord confirms with signs. Signs follow those who believe. It is not signs follow them who see. We have to go in faith. You say, well, well Brother Chad, if, if I was a part of the early church, I would do it. Brother Chad, if I was one of those 12 apostles, I would preach. Oh, no, listen. We have the same spirit of faith. There wasn't a Holy Spirit and a gospel for the early church and the disciples and then there's a smaller Holy Spirit and gospel for us who live in the end of times. Same spirit, same faith, same good news. Something has happened through Jesus and now God can break in to our messed up hearts and messed up minds. The transformation is available. Reconciliation is available. Watch this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. Listen, our faith isn't against logic. Our faith isn't our opinion. It's not our perception. It's not our imagination. It is according to the scriptures. God foretold thousands of years before it happened that it would happen. And now we live in a time where it's happened. God's made a way for His arm now to reach our hearts, reach our minds, reach our homes, reach our situations through Jesus. The arm of the Lord has been revealed. Strength of God is available for the weary. Forgiveness is available for the guilty. Being released is available for those that are bound. He says, no, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Notice what he said. We have the same spirit of faith based on the same unchanging good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore we believe and therefore we speak. Watch this. It's not that we see first all things made subject to Jesus. Then we preach. No, no, no. We see by faith That all things have been placed under him because he is seated in victory. Therefore we speak, we preach. Then the Lord works. Then the Lord confirms with signs and wonders. So listen, signs follow them that believe and yet signs do not guarantee the people will believe. Signs follow them that believe and yet signs do not guarantee that people will believe. The signs do not convince people that Jesus is Lord, that the kingdom of God's at hand. But they can condition hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who convinces people. But the Holy Spirit does use confirming signs and wonders in accordance to the word we preach to prepare heads and hearts for the good news. Listen, why then so often? If we're not spiritually lazy, or if we're not spiritually ignorant, are we not, as we go, declaring the good news everywhere? Because there's a cost. There is a cost. There's the cost of the cross. Jesus never said, listen, He never said, that the idea idea, and the principle of the cross was just for Him. Now sure, listen, Let's be very clear. There are things He accomplished in His physical cross that God never asked us to accomplish because we could never accomplish. We can't shed our blood for the forgiveness of sins. We're not sinless. We couldn't take that burden. Only Jesus could do that. God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become our sin that we might become the righteousness of God. But Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. What does that mean? There's a cross for all of us. There is a cost if you and I want to bring the manifestation of God's availability to break in where there are wrongs, to break in to manifest His goodness in areas, in fields, in careers. There's a cost, and the cost is the cross. And listen, the cost of the cross is suffering love. A love for God and a love for people that longs for the kingdom to be manifested in their world, in your world, that you're willing to take up the cross and no longer live for your own pursuits, your own happiness, your own priority. But for Jesus the King, there is a cost of suffering love. That only as you willfully, so just like, listen, there's a choice for unbelievers on whether they will willfully surrender to the reality of what's been done, that Jesus is Lord, the kingdom's at hand. Listen, there's still a choice for you and I as followers of Jesus if we'll take up our cross in suffering love so that the Lord can manifest His kingdom through us in areas where wrongs are still being sowed. Daily, through children of the devil and unbelievers. In all sectors of society, right in your world. We don't have to go across the seas to other nations. You don't have to leave your career. There is injustice, there is evil practices in every field because the devil sows people who have he's captured their heart and minds Who practice such things every generation. He's always trying to sow in the world. But God's still moving. He's got seeds of the kingdom. He's got you and I. But for God to manifest, you must choose suffering love. The principle of the cross. For the king and the kingdom to manifest in your world. Say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Chad. Why would someone be willing to pay that cost of suffering love? Listen, there's many reasons, but I want to highlight one for you. There is a joy of the kingdom that can only be experienced when the kingdom of God manifests in moments like that. The joy of the kingdom Cannot be experienced any other way. Romans 14 and verse 17. Come on, Jesse. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, watch this, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say joy in the Holy Spirit. We saw how righteousness is the foundation of the kingdom. But peace and joy is the available presence of its manifestation. Righteousness is the foundation, but peace and joy is the manifestation of the kingdom in moments. Now watch this. This peace, Jesus says, I give to you not as the world, meaning it's not a peace that's circumstantial. This joy, listen, it's not happiness, meaning it's not circumstantial. This peace and this joy in the Holy Spirit can only be experienced by followers of Jesus that will take up their cross through suffering love and be an instrument of the ways of the King to bring the manifestation of the kingdom in their world, in their workplace, in their home, in their community. This is what Jesus told them in John 15, 8-11, and still applies to us. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples as the Father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love watch this these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you by the way the writer of Hebrews says that joy that he's talking about allowed Him to endure the cross It, it is a joy that That enables us to keep bearing the cost of suffering love. But it's also joy and result of when we are willing to bear the cost of suffering love. He says, That my joy may remain in you, watch this, and that your joy may be full. This joy of the kingdom is only experienced by followers of Jesus as through loving obedience to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit they bear fruit for the Father in their world. We have the world that keeps shouting to us I have the secret for happiness and our ears perk up Because we are vulnerable to be conformed to this world if we're not transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the renewing of our mind is that we're not called to search and to seek like a world for happiness. We have access to a manifestation that the world knows not of, a peace and a joy. That comes when we're fruitful for the Father in our world. And what's interesting is oftentimes we think, God, if you would just give me strength, then I would preach. No, no, listen the joy is your strength. It's when you see by faith that because something has happened, I can be used as a vessel to manifest the will of God, the ways of God in my world that I find strength. Some of you, because I've been there, the reason you don't have strength right now is because you're not paying the cost of suffering love to be used of the Father for fruitfulness in your world. Remember in John 6? Jesus was ministering. The disciples go out to get food. They come back. They say, here, Jesus. We got food. He said, oh, you don't understand. I've been eating this whole time. I'm full. They're looking around. He said, oh, my food is to do the will of my Father. What's he saying? In loving obedience to the King, by the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit from the Father, brings not only the joy but because joy is our strength it brings strength so we don't keep seeing week sitting week after week waiting for strength as we go with the same spirit of faith we declare something has happened and it's good news God can break into your world through Jesus Jesus' blood will cleanse you of guilt It will loose you from shame. His anointing will break bondages and addictions and set your feet in a broad place. He'll bring hope where there seems to be hopelessness. He'll shine light where there seems to be darkness. He'll bring revelation, knowledge, and spiritual understanding where there's been confusion. And as we declare it by faith and we see the kingdom manifest, we experience a joy strength and a peace that you can't get anywhere else in this world so why would we pay the cost oh there's a joy and a peace that only comes through fruitfulness he says listen we're citizens of a kingdom of joy You and I are not going to reach people trying to just be happy people based on circumstances. As followers of Jesus, we walk through some of the most horrible things just like unbelievers walk through. We still experience the sting of death. We still experience suffering. We still experience injustice. We still experience the misery of brokenness in the world. It's the manifestation of a joy in that. shows there's a distinction. We are citizens of the kingdom of joy. N.T. Wright, when he talks about how Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says that we're citizens of heaven, he says, wait a minute. We hear we are citizens of heaven, and we think, yes, heaven is where we really belong. And that's where we would go when we die. But that isn't what Paul says. And it isn't how citizenship worked in this world. The whole reason for having colonies like Philippi in the first place was that there were too many old soldiers who had fought in the civil wars. Rome was already overcrowded. They needed already to import food. The last thing Rome wanted was thousands more hungry mouths coming home, especially when the mouths belonged to trained killers, used to getting things done through violence. The point about Philippi being a colony of Rome was not that the citizens would go back to Rome one day. But that so it was hope they would bring the benefits of Roman civilization to Philippi. Can I tell you that that's God's hope because of what has happened? It's not one day we leave and just go to heaven. It's that we're citizens of the kingdom now. And the hope is that we would be an instrument willing to pay the cost of suffering love to bring the kingdom right in the midst of your world. Right in the midst of your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, in this community. God would be able to break in through the person of Jesus and through us as the body of Jesus. Because we're willing through suffering love to bear the cost to no longer live for our own pursuits. But to live experiencing the joy and peace that's found nowhere else except fruitfulness for the Father. he writes "says, come on band to say Jesus died for your sins ought to lead at once too so you can freely pick up your role as truly human beings and discover your particular vocation within God's purposes for this world that's the whole gospel friend is that our hearts would be so captured with a different kingdom because He's a different king that willfully laid down His life that we would follow in His footsteps and His pattern? and say, you know what? The rest of my life is no longer for my kingdom, no longer for my name, but I'll be an instrument. I'll bear the cost of suffering love so that the kingdom can break out through me into areas of darkness and hopelessness, into hearts and minds of those around me. And you get enough sporadic, open hearts and minds where the kingdom comes, and guess what? You can get enough people that actually can change an entire culture, an entire field, an entire career. Just trying to change systems is the way of the simpleton, the way of the fool. Listen, you don't get systems without people. People create the systems. And the kingdom's got to break into hearts and minds, but it starts with us. Then we can change systems because, listen, the devil will try to sow every generation new people who walk in his ways in corruption. And that's why there's no lasting change. It's got to break into hearts and minds. As citizens enjoy, we have this opportunity to be used. Maybe for some of you, you're not going everywhere preaching that something's happened because drift has happened to you. Hebrews 2 1 through 5, the writer of Hebrews says, Listen, there is a drift. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have learned, lest we drift away. There is the drift. The world is constantly trying to pull on our flesh, pull on our selfish desires, pull on our lusts, drift us from the reality that from the point that good news, something has happened, from the try to make us drift from the point that Jesus will return, something will happen, and in between God's moving, even though the devil keeps trying to sow seeds. There is the drift of distraction, as some men, of, women of God said, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll just keep you busy. As John Ortberg said, a disordered life is a result of a disordered heart. Jesus said, "You got to seek first the kingdom," because, as another man of God said, if "You don't seek first the kingdom, you'll never seek it." Priority, but there is a drift. By 1636, around 17,000 Puritans had migrated from England to America. Due to the influence of the pilgrims who had completely left the Church of England rather than attempting to reform it. As population in New England continued to grow, the Puritans sought to ensure that the people would be served by local pastors who had been equipped for such service. So on September 8, 1636, the Puritans founded the first formal institution of higher learning in the American colonies. The early model was Veritas Christo et Ecclesia. Truth for Christ and for the church drifts happen because now that institution the model is just truth the problem is you get truth separated from Christ it still leads to death it doesn't bring the kingdom it doesn't bring reconciliation of hearts and minds to people it doesn't protect people like pastoral care and the work of God through spiritual leadership can the college was first called new college But it was renamed after its first benefactor in 1639 as Harvard College. Drift is real, people, because of the flesh, because of the pull of the enemy, because of the seeds of the enemy. But the writer of Hebrews says, let us give more earnest heed to the things that we heard. Listen, we're not following fables, friends. We're not following imaginations. We're not following wise, crafted tales. We are declaring that something has happened. God has made a way for His arm to reach now our hearts and minds to cleanse, to heal, to restore, to make us new. God has made a way for His hand, the mighty power of His Spirit to break into our homes and to bring reconciliation, to cause dead things to flourish again. God has made a way to get inside His people who if through suffering love will bear the cost. God can get out of His people and begin to bring change in careers, in businesses, in politics, in organizations, because all of that is the fruit of people. We, you and I, have the opportunity as citizens of joy to go first through suffering love as we experience a kingdom of joy and peace. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Just imagine in politics, politicians whose hearts and minds willfully surrender to the king and through suffering love bear the cost to bring the ways of God in politics. Just imagine, just imagine in teaching teachers in schools, who bear suffering love, who will pay the cost to manifest the ways of the king and the kingdom, righteousness and things being done right, honorable and that place. Just imagine scientists who in the area of science will pay suffering love that regardless of how it affects them financially will speak God's truth, real science manifest the ways of the kingdom. Just imagine in sports, athletes, they do the same. Just imagine in businesses, businessmen and women that would do the same. Just imagine in the American church believers and spiritual leaders. Listen, when you imagine that, you know what you're seeing? You're seeing the vision of what God's called this place of manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, Be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.